Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. A Dear Media original podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And I have been working in the restaurant industry for, I mean, it's almost 20, almost 20 years. You know, it's kind of crazy. And I have worked in a few different places. But one thing that has become clear that it's a common sort of thread of American psyche, I'll just speak for America because that's where I live, is the wine list. You know, it starts with how the wine list gets to your table. Then it moves into how does the wine list get discussed? How does the wine list read? And at the end, it, you know, evolves into what bottle did you actually end up with? I will say I've been to two restaurants in the last three months, not in Los Angeles, but that I really thought they did a beautiful job writing their wine list. And it was both small lists, one page. And the first one was Vern's in Charleston, South Carolina. Shout out to Bethany. And the second one was at Birdie's in Austin. Shout out to Arjat. And what I liked about both of these lists is they were very easy to read. They were organized in ways that if I didn't know a ton about wine, I would feel okay reading it and sort of not feeling like I was alienated on a new planet. And now all of you out there might be like, what am I talking about? What makes it easy or hard to read a wine list? And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. So when every sommelier or wine director or person who is put in charge of writing a list for a restaurant, or even if they don't write it, conveying what wines they have available to the consumer, you are always faced with the question of how do I display this information, right? Usually people go with broad stroke categories to start. You got your sparkling, you got rosé, orange wine, white and red, right? Like that's a gimme. But then within that, there's a lot of play and a lot of different ways that you can set it up. I'll just talk about a few 
I started my career working at Craft, and at Craft, it was a binder notebook, leather binder notebook. That was the wine list. It had maps. It had sections. It had pages. Like if you didn't reprint the whole list, you would just reprint one page. It was easy to read. The font was big, but it was arranged by country. So you kind of needed to know a little bit about wine in order to navigate that list. If you wanted Pinot Noir, for example, and you didn't really know where Pinot Noir is grown outside of California, well, you might be a little stuck because you don't intuitively know to turn to Burgundy. Then there's lists who have kind of gone deconstructive. They want to just be like putting the wine on the page. There's no real rhyme or reason. That kind of shit really drives me crazy, though. I'm not going to lie. Then there's the list I wrote at Animal, which was categorized sparkling. We did add a skin contact, rosé, and then white and red wine. That list was written lighter to heavier. But when I first started writing that list, I was a young gun and I think I had a little bit of an ego on me, not in a bad way, just in a trying to push people to learn more about wine. So I refused to put any grape varietals on the menu. I only wrote out the vintage, the producer, if there was a single vineyard or a name of the wine and where it was from. I mean, the positive to that is it pushed my entire team to learn, oh, okay, so if I see a wine from Vouvray, I know it's Chenin Blanc. So I'm going to be able to sell this to the table. But in thinking back on my choice to write the list that way at Animal, it was rather torturous for the consumer because they're looking at what basically was another language. And it, I did fade out of that. I ended up adding the grape varietal at the very end. And that is what I segued to at John Avinis and Helen's. But before I got there, I helped write the Tuam Mech list. And in that list, we put the grape varietal all the way on the left. So it was like someone could kind of, the first thing that caught their eye, they would see the grape varietal. So it was categorized that way, which I thought was a little chaotic because we had so much Chardonnay because white burgundy, obviously, and just felt a little clunky. But then when I pivoted into John and Vinny's and Helen's, you know, we're opening this beautiful restaurant. It's an Italian restaurant. And then we're also opening this awesome wine shop. And the thought at the time was, okay, I'm going to put everything that's in the wine shop onto the wine list. I created these little booklets and I organized it in a way that made sense to me which was sparkling wine, but then I subcategorized it. So it was champagne, pet nat. Like I was like, I'm going to painstakingly lay this out so that if someone's really looking for a pet nat rosé, it's going to be so easy for them to find it. And the way we wrote it out was vintage producer, you know, very classic with the grape, but it was still all based on region. Once you got past sparkling wine, rosé and orange, the white wine was subcategorized by country. And again, what I come back to is I think that's really alienating for the consumer. Because unless you're going to like a Spanish restaurant or an Italian restaurant where you're like, ah, the mood is striking. I want to have an Italian crisp white. Why in the world would anybody outside of a Psalm want a list written like that? I think it gets back to this tendency in the restaurant industry 
in the wine community that we don't always think about the consumer. We think about us, our brains, how it works, our SOM team, and then other wine people. What, you know, what will they think when they come in and read our magnificent list? All of this to say that a couple of weeks ago, we started the process of changing the wine list at John and Vinny's. And I decided to lean into the customer. And this was not because anybody asked me to. It was not because of really any reason at all, except I would watch the diner in every location we have. I watch people come in, the host greets them. They take the menus, they grab a wine list, which are these little leather booklets, and they seat them down at the table and say like, here's your menus, here's your wine list. And only a small fraction of diners were picking up the wine list. You know, I think if anyone sits down at a table and a book appears in front of them and they're trying to have a nice time, first of all, if someone's going to pick up the wine list and it is kind of like a book, it's going to take you out of the game of the conversation with the rest of the people for, you know, at least five minutes as you're looking through it. Now, if you're at Spago, which is like literally a Bible, it's so heavy. It's a huge and that's amazing. But you're also at Spago. It's like you might have a five hour dinner and drink like four bottles of wine if you're balling out at Spago. So, yeah, you want to have like some crazy wine list. So I was noticing this and then I was looking at our sales and I was seeing that like more than 50% of our wine sales were by the glass, which means that people were not only not picking up that list, but they were just like not even wanting to deal with it at all. It felt like in my mind, I thought people started looking at it like an obstacle. So we have just rolled out now Fairfax only, but it's coming to Beverly Hills next, a one page a one-page wine list. And it's going to be a rotating selection of what's in the shop. It is going to keep our wine managers really engaged and excited, I think, about taking wines on and featuring different producers. There are some categories that are really fun, but you'll have to come in to see them. But basically, it's sparkling, orange wine, rosé, white and red, but then white and red are subcategorized. But let's say like the red wine, the first section is juicy. So if you're like, I want a juicy red, you there's a little section for you right there that I have been like, this is juicy red to the dome. We have arranged each section by price. So it's cheaper to more expensive. I think that in a lot of ways, this is going to change the game of the customer experience. And I'm kind of talking about how to write a wine list with my personal experience because that's just one part of it. That's the structure. And it's important that if you're going out to write a wine list or if you're the consumer and you're going to read a wine list, you have to understand how is this wine list structured? What are the bones so that you can either ask for help right away or have a better idea of like how to identify what exactly you're looking for. I hope more people check a little bit of the ego at the door and start writing lists that are way easier for consumers to read. We also are putting at the bottom of each one of our wine lists, if you don't see something you want or if you want to see our full seller, just ask. Because that's the other thing is we need increased levels of engagement. And look, I know I'm really lucky to have had all these experiences and all these different restaurants in writing wine lists, but the bones is so important. 
Then comes maybe the intellectually harder part. A wine list is put together either based on one person's taste, so the wine buyer, their taste, the ideology of the restaurant. So, you know, a restaurant might be Italian. They want only Italian wine list. They might be French. They want only French and maybe California. It also might be a wine bar and they adhere to only zero, zero wine or only supernatural wine, right? Nothing added, nothing taken away. They draw a hard line in the sand. Some people do like island lists or coastal, which is killer restaurants, Portuguese in New York. And they only do like certain parts of Spain, some islands, some some of Portugal. And it's just such a cool concentrated list. It's mostly white wine and it like... You're going there to experience their food with their vision of what wine is. You know, then there's the wine lists that are just really BevMo on a list. You know, they're not really trying. I don't know who's curating that, but some people are very excited about that kind of list because they they connect with it. They connect with it right away. They're like, I recognize that. I recognize that. Okay. There's this crazy trepidation and fear of making a mistake when you're ordering wine, of choosing the wrong thing. And I think that it's also when you flip it as the person writing the list, I think about that a lot. I want every single one of these bottles to be delicious, to be something that people would want to consume that would go really well with the food. So there's structure. Then there is coming up with what is the ID of the list? What is your mission statement? Because there has to be some sort of rhyme or reason. You know, at Helen's, yeah, there's a lot of Italian, but it's an amalgamation of all the wines we love. And I've always said that from the very beginning because it is a space to celebrate all wine heavy focus on farming, but we're not leaning in one particular country, region, or style specifically. So once you ID that, then the best way to build a list is think less is more and build on what is working. Because the last thing that you want when you're building a wine list is for wine to just sit on the shelf and not sell. Money on the shelf could be money in the bank. It's a very good lesson to internalize especially if you're on the buyer side. Don't spend without abandon. Don't overpurchase. Wait and see what the trends of your location and your spot are and your staff because they're actually the ones who need to get excited about the products and then sell them. So once you have structure, you have your ID, like which direction am I going in? Then you go about layering the wines in. I like to have a variety of price points. I like to have a great representation of a hundred, under $100. And what you're really looking for in an awesome wine list is not only kick-ass producers, because to me, that's just obvious. And they don't have to be fancy. It's just like amazing, honest people who are making amazing, honest wine. You need kick-ass producers. But you also need balance. And it needs to make sense. So you can't have too much in one category, not enough in another. Anyway, that is a little bit of how to write a wine list, how to read a wine list, how to tango with a wine list. I think it's still really hard for the consumer, but my best advice, if you're a customer, you're going to a new restaurant for the first time, the best thing that you can do if you really want to engage with the wine list is ask how is the wine list structured? What's the vibe? What's the story? What's the intention? 
And then it will also help you pick from there. If you get like a book, then you know that it's going to be just a much larger, longer process. And at that point, it might be better suited for you to be like, can you recommend three bottles of red that are 65 to $75? I like medium bodied or I like Cabernet Franc. Always ask for a recommendation of three different bottles because you don't need to be pigeonholed into just one. All right. Writing wineless. It's so fun. I just did one for P.S. Hoagie with Eric Wareheim, and it was so cute and really gorgeous and kind of stretched a muscle I haven't used in a while. So it is top of mind for me right now. Anywho, if you need wine, you can always go to Helen'sWines.com and you can always follow along on Instagram at Helen's Wines to see what we're into, what we're digging, and also how the new wine lists are going because I'm definitely going to post about it. Other than that, you know, I would love to hear what you think. Rate, review, subscribe. Podcasts has an open door policy. We want to hear from you and what you want to hear about. So please let me know. And it's been real. Get to typing your wine list, guys, in your imaginary restaurants. Just kidding. All right. Talk to you next time. Bye.